0: Welcome to the S'mores Indoors Podcast, the perfect combination of talk and interviews between my favorite podcast hosts. Now, please sit back, relax, and welcome your host, Corey.
1: Welcome to the S'mores and Doors Podcast. I'm Corey. He's Jonathan. What up? What's going on, man?
2: Not a whole lot, man. Just uh, Yeah,
1: same here. I'm kind of, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think you mentioned it. We were on our buddy uh, Lost Cunningham. Uh, shout out to Lost Cunningham on YouTube, his stream last night. and uh, I'm a little burnt out on the streams, i got to be honest. I'm going to be looking forward when this month comes to an end. Uh, yeah, me too. I feel like I just sit there and watch sometimes. <laughs> It's like i'm watching the show and it's funny
2: but. oh it's it's all right man it's just everybody's doing them now and like it's fun to hang out with everybody for a little while and then you get to then you're there and then like you just continue to be there i feel like is what happens with me
1: like, I, I feel just, like sometimes it's hard to like it get out yeah yeah so um uh, but that's all right it's it's fun uh i had a good time and we're looking forward to next saturday or next sunday night sorry 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central. Make sure you check out the Spores and Doors podcast YouTube channel for our huge Super Show uh, Trick or Treat commentary. So it's be sure be to check that out, and uh, we we need to get those uh, guests confirmed for, for sure. We do, yeah. <laughs> so we'll be working on that this week, try to get everybody locked in, but. Uh, yeah. Speaking of watching stuff, like we said, watching the streams. Have you watched any anything good lately? Uh, I
2: watched half of The Lodge last night. Okay. So I have been watching a lot of stuff. Um, no spoilers or anything. Don't hit me with anything. But like, I was super depressed after that movie started. I was like, well, all right, it's gonna be like this kind of tone.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's not like a upbeat watch.
2: <laughs> no, it's not. I mean, like, well, I mean, if you haven't seen it, I guess this is a spoiler. it kind of broke my heart, like, when, you know, of course the mom kills herself, and the little girl is just, like, crying in bed that she's not going to go to heaven. I was like,
1: oh. Yeah, that's tough. That's a tough scene.
2: And I was just watching, I was like, well, it's like, it was like midnight, I'm like, alone in the house, everybody's asleep, and I'm like, I gotta turn this off. Uh, Watch something a little more upbeat.
1: I tell you, the thing about that movie is, um, this isn't really a spoiler, but, uh, because I know you haven't seen it all, but uh, it's one of those movies, you almost probably need to watch it more than once to kind of take everything in. Everything early. in. I so, mean, it
2: seems really good. It was just kind of, I was just kind of bummed out. And, like, I was in such a good mood from all, like, the movies I'd watched yesterday. It was yeah. kind of like, Whoa. So.
1: I, I don't go to that well too often because I'm not, like, the hugest bleak horror fan. Um. I have dealt with enough bleakness in my right. personal life to right. kinda right. go there. Uh, I try to use movies as more of an escape from uh, you know, everyday bullshit. So uh but that's just me. Um
2: Yeah, I know I'm the same way. But like if there's a really good movie that's bleak, like right. you know you got to. And the lodge seems like it's gonna be good. So it looks like it's gonna be worth sitting through. It's just it's gotta catch me in a in a different time, like when I'm
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: When I when I'm okay with going to those places.
1: No, I, I definitely didn't regret watching it. Uh, I thought it was well done, and uh, I I enjoyed it for for its bleakness. So we'll just build yeah. it that way.
2: <laughs> I also watched uh, Psycho Two. Really dug that man. Yeah,
1: that's, that's a great really, movie.
2: I uh, watched Cats. Uh, that
1: was fun. Cool. I I think we talked about that. I've actually I've got that, but I've never watched it. So I'll try to check it out some point.
2: Like that's totally one to get on the cheap. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I wouldn't pay a whole lot of money for it, but it's it's good fun.
1: Yeah, cool. That's awesome. Well, what I uh, watched? Yeah. I guess the only thing I've watched like recently, I have been watching some of the uh, some of the uh, that Eli Roth uh, history of horror show, and uh, it's been pretty good. You know, not not a whole lot of Eli Roth in it, but uh, so that's always a positive. But uh, no, it's been good. You know, I think you were talking last night about Poltergeist and the and the real skeletons. Yeah. They actually they actually interview um Craig T. Niel- Nelson in that show. Really. And oh, uh, he's he was saying that during that scene in the pool, he was like asking um you know asking do the skeletons really have to smell this bad? <laughs> and, <laughs> and he said. That, uh, well, they're real. He's yeah. like, huh? <laughs> Excuse,
2: that's what I'm saying. Like, they treated it so, like, nonchalant in that Curse Films series. Yeah. Like, where they brought it, like, yeah, they do it all the time. It's just cheaper to get it. And I'm like, hang on a second. That's just, just that's just Bill, like, floating
1: around in the, right. around in the pool? <laughs> what the hell's going on? It's kind of funny. Uh, I don't think I'd ever heard him really talk about that movie, so that was kind of cool to see him yeah. on there. No, it was like shortly after that he got well, I guess not surely a couple of years after that he got coach and like yeah. I
2: feel like that's what everybody... every time I watch that movie I'm, coach
1: yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, um they got some really good guests on that show actually. I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis was on there. She actually said something that was sad. Um I guess she kind of alluded to having said this before, but she was talking about her mother dying and and it's uh-huh. saying, you know, in the in the newspapers that said psycho actress dies you know she says i know you know when i die it's going to be halloween actress dies so um yeah so but I, she I, I mean she was kind of saying you know she's fine with that she knows
2: okay. Halloween's her legacy that's, so
1: that's fine uh, like i
2: because i know for a long time she was not okay with that
1: yeah i you know i think she's coming around <laughs> to it to appreciate the fact of what it did for a career, so yeah, I mean, I would think we'd all be lucky to have something like that happen. Oh yeah, you know? yeah.
2: I mean, like when we die, it's not going to say S'mores and Doors co-host. No. Yeah, dies. It's uh, we're going to get the same size. Shit, I'm,
1: I'm going to be in a pauper's grave like Mozart. <laughs> <laughs> <you> about?
2: <laughs> but no, I I really hate it, especially when genre people are embarrassed by their fame. Yeah, uh, from the genre. And it's like, look, you know, most people would kill for that. So.
1: I mean, she's got nothing to be embarrassed about. Halloween's probably the favorite movie of like the largest percentage of horror fans out there. Yeah, I
2: would. She also has a legit Hollywood career, too. She's. Yeah. So I'm mean, I like, she, she's sure. fine. I mean, those early years she was, I, I think if she hadn't put her foot down. Uh, in the early '80s, she would have just become uh, a scream queen because that's what the trajectory she was on. But um, but there's nothing wrong with that either. So
1: yeah, actually, I was thinking, you know, when when my obituary comes back out, it's probably going to be Bourbon Pitchman uh, dies.
2: <laughs> Oaken <and Ethan> Eden Spur- <laughs> Spokesperson.
1: Yeah. Oh,
2: I saw a post on Facebook today speaking about obituaries uh that said uh do you think you've taken your obituary photo yet And i was like oh shit i can't don't <laughs> don't make me think of that
1: oh man i have a sad story about that but i won't relay it on the show uh, oh oh but Sorry. yeah uh no it's okay. it's all right but uh just kind of sad um uh, so the other thing i watched of course we've got jed bryan on the show today uh, and I watched Unlisted Owner. I don't know why I was going to show it. This is an audio show. Um, <laughs> got, you I watched it. Unlisted you Owner.
2: Could jiggle,
1: so. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, I enjoyed it. I mean, you know, it's obviously, I don't think there's any debating the fact that it's a low-budget movie, you know. Um, but one thing I appreciate about that is, like, you know, he had an idea, and he went out and did it. You know, a lot of people say, well, I would have done it this way. I would have done it this way and just sit on their ass and not do anything. But he, you know, got the people together. He got his resources together and made a movie.
2: So, And I think found, uh, footage, found footage is the way to go if you're going to
1: do that. Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: Because I mean, Hollywood spent – we talked about this before, talking about Host when it came out earlier this year. Hollywood spends a lot of money making it look like they didn't spend any money on a movie. Right,
1: for so, sure. So, yeah, um, but, uh, you know, I, I had a good time with it, actually. Um, I had the same issue with it that I have with almost every um, found footage movie is like an hour into it. I felt like I was going to puke. <laughs> it's just the
2: you get the motion sickness from it? I
1: do. Yeah, I, I I could never play like first person video games. I just oh, that sucks. Yeah.
2: I bet Cloverfield about killed you then.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't get very far through that. Because uh, that's
2: probably the worst one for camera movement.
1: Yeah. So, I find it's, like, easier to watch on a smaller screen. I don't know if, why that is. That
2: way but, it's not, like, your perception.
1: It could so, be. Yeah. I get sick I, on boats, too? I haven't been on a lot of boats. If it was really rocky, I'm sure I'd be hanging my head over the side of the the boat. But, uh uh yeah, I'm sure it would not be good. I could not be a uh, crab fisherman. So. <laughs> well, I mean, I know... <laughs> You'll never see year. me on uh, Deadliest Catch. So, <laughs> uh, so uh, I guess the... Uh, you were talking about the aero sale. Um, have, have you picked up anything or have anything ordered that uh, you're excited about?
2: Well, I got three in my cart, and I kind of did it this way. I was like, what... I looked at the U.S. price for these discs versus the U.K. price and seeing if I came out okay. Right. Uh, and you definitely do. Like, they're much higher price over here. I ended up with, I guess I'm getting ready to order. So I'm going to order Blood Rage, which is one I've had on my wish list for a while, the Mutilator, and Maniac Cop. And all those are region free. Nice. So. But that comes out to about forty-one dollars shipped for those three titles, and I think the Mutilator in the U.S. is almost a thirty-dollar title by itself. But True. they're uh, they're seven fifty, uh, in the Queen's money. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, when I uh, when I bought those on that deal, um, and I bought a ton of stuff on that summer camp, or I think it was called summer camp deal, whatever they had. Um, I think with shipping, it came out to about. Ten to twelve bucks a title, so I mean, you couldn't really beat that. It was only eight
2: bucks, uh, well, eight dollars European for shipping, but I feel like that's still better than what Shout will charge
1: you. Oh yeah, probably.
2: And they'll they'll probably ship this year.
1: Yeah. So, now, I I got mine in like, kind of want to say like, within two weeks. So. Yeah, it's how it's been two weeks since I ordered from Screen Factory. I feel like. Yeah, yeah. You haven't even got a confirmation yet, have you?
2: <laughs> no! I went on blu-ray.com to like look, and like people are like, oh, my order that I ordered on the second just shipped out today. Like, you know what? Vinegar Syndrome? I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I ordered a few things this week. Uh, I probably shouldn't have, but... Uh, you know, we, we went and met Mick Foley this week. I, I wanted to say that, and we'll come back around to that. But uh, speaking of wrestling, I ordered the... Uh, The Triple H 25th Anniversary Vinyl record.
2: Uh, Just a lot of Motorhead?
1: Yeah, Motorhead Motorhead, and the DX theme on vinyl. So, (laughs) I don't know why I bought it, but uh, I did. And um, apparently it's limited to 500 copies, though, which is crazy. And, like, the the Evansville FYE had three. So, (laughs) like... Did you get like, that
2: when we were over there?
1: No, I actually ordered it online because I had a an online di- uh, 10% off thing, so oh. just did it that way. And then I ordered a uh, NECA Halloween two figure to put in my little case. And uh, then the big thing I got was um, I was on Mondo, and they had a um, – they used to have this thing where it was like a box – that held like Halloween one through five vinyls and like enclosed cool. them all. So they actually had a deal on there for sixty bucks. You, if you bought the Halloween four and Halloween five vinyl, oh. which I didn't have, you got that box too. Really? So I picked Is that sale still going on? They've got a bunch of stuff on there, so you might check it out.
2: Because that actually, I'm actually kind of intrigued by that. That yeah,
1: that's really big. nice. So I would check it out. So and like I said, I had one through three already, so. I got four and five, and I got the box now. So, I legit am getting burnt out on
2: buying movies right now. Like i, I bought so much uh, this week. Hell, I, I went to Second, not Second Charles, but I went to Mega Replay yesterday, and they had the Chucky box set that I've been waiting on. I've just been waiting for that thing to hit like twenty dollars. Yeah. Forever, and they had it for nineteen ninety nine. Those. Well, I got to get that now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> I know, I'm getting to the point where I've got, like, all the movies I want. Uh, there may be a few out there that I don't have, but... i tell you what usually
2: gets me is, like, this sale comes up, and it's like, well, if I ever wanted that, it's not going to be any cheaper yeah. than this. Like, so, I find myself buying stuff where I'm like, maybe I wouldn't seek it out necessarily, but for the right, right. price I'm in, and that's, that's where you get to this madness that's going on. Where I don't watch half of this stuff, but I, I tried to make it a point this weekend. It was like gonna watch the movies
1: yeah i'm a i'm a sucker to the deal for sure so i'll end up buying stuff that i really probably
2: it comes in handy though because like a year from now you'll be looking for something to watch and you'll grab something that you picked up on a deal and you'll be like oh that was that was worth it or it wasn't worth it or whatever
1: yeah yeah it's it's uh it does work out some way sometimes like that uh but I wanna go back, we I mentioned Mick Foley. We met Mick Foley um uh, on uh what was that, Tuesday? Yeah, it was Tuesday. Tuesday. Uh what were your thoughts? How how was it for you?
2: Uh it was fine. Uh I was so hungry by the time we got up to meet <laughs> Mick Foley, I was like, sign, sign the shit, Mick. We gotta go to Red Robin.
1: So you got a sandwich on you, Mick.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we had started talking about food and they yeah. were just standing in line. I'm like, damn, I really need a cheeseburger right now.
1: Come on, him. You don't have yeah. a can of beefaroni over there, do you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that was, uh, that was probably my favorite part was uh, eating afterwards. I don't know. But that's just me, you know. That's how I no, got I mean, had a bad to where problem. I'm at. Is... <laughs> so.
2: That's sad. We went to meet a celebrity and we were like, hey, the Red Robin was pretty good. I don't know, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: And you and you made the comment, too, we, we had to wear masks for this. Uh, you know, how does a man like Mick Foley wear a mask? <laughs> that's,
2: that's how did maybe. I not think of it when I was setting in front? I was telling him, like, hey, thanks, Mick, you know, really appreciate everything you did. Brought me a lot of joy in my life. I should have been like, how the hell is that mask on your face right now?
1: He'd have probably got a kick out of that, honestly.
2: Oh, he would have, and I hated that. I didn't think of it until we were, like, in the car. <laughs> I
1: was like, wait. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd never think. Let me go back through. Hold on.
2: Hang on, I gotta ask him
1: something
2: Also, uh, he wasn't wearing sweatpants and a flannel.
1: No, I was a little shitty about that. Yeah, <laughs> he looked like he he was kind of dressed like Dude Love though. He was. Yeah. <laughs> so. Man, that beard of his is getting a little gray. It is. He's uh, he's getting up there. So, um, I was just thinking, though, standing in line looking at him sitting there. That dude got thrown off a cage. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like,
2: jeez. I did notice they tried to get him a comfy seat because yeah. there's
1: no way his back is in order. Well, much better than the time I met Big Show when uh he was signing <laughs> at Walmart. They gave him a park bench, so. <laughs> I'd be, I'd have been shitty. He was kind of pissed off that day, so.
2: What are you gonna do? Just put him in a standard size office chair.
1: <laughs> they had him a big platter of fruit and a park bench to sit on. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's is like some kind of like like King Kong kind of deal. Just like
1: yeah. <laughs> that, that reminds me, my my cousin is like bigger than me, which is shocking to most people, but he's like six eight. Um and he came to like a family cookout one time and he had one of those fold out chairs, but it was like fold out chair for a big guy. And like the branding was like King Kong. I'm like, that's fucking insulting
2: right i have seen those though and uh they're good for your uh <clears throat> smaller size gentlemen too because you get a lot of room in them and there's usually like a bit like a thing on the side
1: yeah, there like that, you
2: go. Th- that's your cadillac fold-out
1: chairs right there i used to buy like bigger socks too because i wear a 15 shoe and like the branding on those were bigfoot i'm like you sons <laughs> of bitches
2: sasquatch <laughs> yeah. Hey, just uh, dip your foot in some mud, and we'll take a cast of it and send it to proof.
1: There you go.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, Mick Foley, fun time. We went out and did some media shopping, too. Had a good time. Uh, both found some decent stuff, so.
2: Yeah, you got a nice uh, little app print.
1: Yeah, I already sold it to you. Did you? <laughs> yeah, 40 oh, bucks. Oh,
2: really? did hang on yeah. to it?
1: Nah. Uh, no. I'm kind of like you. I think you said you, you sometimes when you find something out of print and it's going for something, you kind of get some money for it. But
2: yeah, I, I'll kind of weigh like, am I gonna watch this, or like I'll just go ahead and watch it. Like I did that with uh, Fright Night Two. I was like, I'll watch it and then make a decision. Watch it, yeah. and I was like, the sucker's going on eBay.
1: So so essentially, my uh, based on what I paid for that, my signing and picture for Mick Foley cost four dollars. So <laughs> there you go. Um, so we got our Friday the 13th box sets. Those finally came as well and um, had a few issues with them, as most people probably know by now. But uh, Screen Factory is trying to rectify the situation, and they've got uh, a website you can go to to get some replacement discs. Uh, do you want to kind of mention that?
2: Yeah, let me pull it up here. I've actually got it. Um, uh, you need to go to www.discshipment.com. Follow the instructions on screen and under the uh, the form title where it says "What title do you need replaced?" Friday the Thirteenth. You don't have to put "box" at anything, just Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, and upload a picture of your proof of purchase. It could be your Amazon receipt, or if you bought it locally somewhere, just a receipt of that. Uh, and they will send you uh, replacement discs for Part Three, Part Nine, and Jason X. So, and that is free of charge. we'll start shipping those out next month. And uh, I'm going to flip the bad discs. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's probably today. a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, yeah, make sure you do that, guys, if uh, if you've got that set. And uh, and you haven't just, heard that you can get say, those new discs.
2: So. No reason not to get those those taken care of.
1: It's right.
2: probably not something that's going <laughs> to affect most people, like 90% of people. But uh, for what we all ended up paying for these sets, we deserve to have the correct discs.
1: So, yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, so make sure you take care of that if you've got that set. Uh, so I, I got to ask you, are you a documentary fan? I am a documentary fan. Well, the ultimate '80s horror retrospective just got bigger. In Search of Darkness Part Two is a four-hour plus sequel to the most celebrated horror documentary in history, featuring 15 new interviewees and 40 plus returning favorites. Buy now to get your name in the credits, three posters and a collectible enamel pen, plus a 12-month season pass to the ultimate 80s horror community, only available until midnight on Halloween and only available here at In Search of Darkness Part 2. And uh, with this new... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, but Corey, if there were only a way that people
2: could directly link to this site to get their copy, yet somehow support S'mores and Doors...
1: Yeah, you know, I think maybe if you look in the show notes of this episode, there might be a link there where you can get that. Because you definitely want to get that, because In Search of Darkness Part 2 features more critical takes, insider tales, and unheard anecdotes from the largest cast of horror legends ever assembled. This perfect companion to the original In Search of Darkness is filled with new stories and insights into the films you love from the legends that made them. So, uh, hit that link down in the show notes for this episode and get your copy of in search of darkness part two. Cause Al said so. That's
2: right. But that I is such have... a co- That is such a coincidence. <laughs> it's weird that there was just a link ready
1: to go. And we were just already talking yes. about this. Yes. And if you don't have in search of darkness part one, you get a digital copy of that, that uh, first documentary along with your purchase. So, so, uh, be sure you do that. You can also upgrade to a physical copy for just fifteen dollars more. So,
2: all jokes aside, uh, In Search of Darkness is a pretty killer documentary.
1: It's awesome. I, I I remember watching it the first time, and it's uh that four hours goes by fast. It's so so, and it's
2: what I loved about it. It was just boom, next topic, next topic, next movie, next movie, and yep. it was just every second of that film was just throwing information in your in your face. So,
1: yeah. So guys. Um, Definitely, if you haven't checked out the first part of the uh, documentary, check that out. But also, um, get your hands on this uh, part, two with the link below or in the description or in the show notes, wherever you're listening to this episode. So, do it.
2: Yeah, and it helps support us. So, guys, we really appreciate it. If you plan on buying it anyway, please do it through S'mores and Doors.
1: Yes, we would greatly appreciate it. So, So, I guess we'll go to the interview now. We've got Jed Bryan, the director of Unlisted Owner, little found footage film that uh, released in 2013, so we're going to talk to him about uh, that, and we're also going to talk to him about found footage just uh, in general, you know, some of his favorite stuff, some of what he thinks makes that a uh, worthy uh, genre of film, so i uh, going to take you to Jed Bryan right now. Well, we want to welcome Jed
0: Bryan to the show today. Uh, Jed, what's going on? Well, uh, just hanging out in 2020, seeing what it's going to throw at us next.
1: <laughs> we got, we got like two months left and who knows.
0: So. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be an interesting, you know, season finale. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah,
1: I think if
2: aliens landed on Christmas, it really wouldn't surprise anybody.
0: Yeah. I don't think if this player was like, yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> well, again, we want to thank
1: you. And, uh, So we'll start off with a question we we typically ask every guest that's on. um, What are some of your earliest memories of watching movies as a kid?
0: Well, um, I I remember when I was growing up, like my dad was big into like, you know, like war movies. So, I mean, I remember watching Gettysburg. I remember watching, uh, you know, The Big Red One and then Westerns. Like I remember The Good and the Bad and the Ugly. And then uh, Robin Hood with Kevin Costner. I know a lot of people hate on that movie. I actually love that movie. So I remember, I mean, when I was growing up, that was, you know, a film that my parents, we watched a lot. And uh, uh, and then, you know, I always watch, you know, cartoons and stuff like that. But like, you know, I also watched, you know, horror films or monster movies. Um Remember, like, the first monster movie I ever saw was King Kong versus Godzilla. I still have my VHS tape. I actually had the guy who played Godzilla sign it. At, he was at a con in Louisville. He's <laughs> passed on now, but I was like, oh my gosh, this is so crazy. But yeah, I mean, and then uh, House on Haunted Hill was like the first horror film I ever owned on VHS. My mom had bought it for me, the one with Vincent Price. So it's, uh, so those are some of my like early childhood memories of, you know, movies and stuff.
1: Awesome. Um, so, we obviously want to talk to you a little bit about Unlisted Owner. You've uh, uh, had that out for a little while now, and um, and it kind of goes along with the found footage theme we're going to talk about today. But I want to lead into that. Uh, you know, I know you went to college for kind of some video production type things. Was that a uh, cause and effect of you wanting to kind of get into the movie scene? Was that why you kind of studied that, or did it kind of come from studying that?
0: Well, it's kind of strange. Uh, whenever I graduated when I was graduating high school, I thought I was I wanted to be a video game designer. And uh, the defunct college ITT Tech uh, offered, you know, a digital entertainment game design course. So uh, I went down there and uh, part of my associates program was to learn about, you know, video editing and stuff. And I had some like ideas i thought would be cool movies but i never really thought about like making my own until i was actually in school down there and uh then i whenever we started messing video editing i'm like wow this is this is so cool so you know maybe i would like to do this and i probably shouldn't even went for my full bachelor's i should have just dropped out after (laughs) the associates but yeah that kind of i kind of got my interest flowing and thinking wow you know i could actually piece something together and create something cool yeah
1: well, I, th- I think you did. I, I'm, uh, you know, talking about found footage, I'm, I'm kind of hit or miss when it comes to found footage movies myself, but, uh, I had a good time with, with your film. Awesome. And, um, I want to, I, I did want to say, you know, I think the, the movie you made, the story you were telling, uh, you know, work, worked really well with that found footage style, but, uh, were there ever any thoughts early in the process of making it just like a slasher film,
0: not, not found footage? No, um, I, I had never actually, I had never dreamed like when I first started messing with like video stuff, like, uh, we, uh, I wrote a script called meth house and, uh, didn't have enough money to even try to make a feature. i never actually filmed anything before. So we like made like a little teaser show. That was our first like attempt of seeing if we could actually make something. So that was the first thing we did. And then we did like a go Daddy commercial contest and got like eight out of 539 videos. And then I was like, okay, um, I want to make something, but I know I don't have like the funding to be able to get a full crew and, you know, stuff like that. So um, I need to look into this found footage stuff. I mean, so I sat down, started watching found footage films and thought, wow, you know, this is something that I could possibly, you know, apply to a script. So um, I actually came up with a scene of someone getting pulled up in an attic space and thought, wow, okay. So if I got that scene in my head, okay, how do we get to that scene and then what happens after that and then unlisted owner came to life.
1: Okay. Um you know, I I was thinking we were kind of talking uh you know, off air talking about found footage being probably a good way to go if you're kind of kind of piecing together your funds and and your uh yeah. resources, so yeah, um yeah. Kind of talk a little bit about that production and, you know, how long it took you to film the, sh- the, uh, the movie and and what the filming days were like and things like that.
0: Yeah, so um, whenever I was going to, when I decided, okay, I'm going to make a feature length film. And um, I knew that I my friends uh, Tyler and Gavin had actually moved away from the area at one point in time and they happened to be back in the area at that time. So I thought, you know what, if I'm going to make a film, now's the time to do it. Let's try to do the found footage thing. So um, Tyler had always said if I ever did anything, he'd kind of like to co-write something with me. So I said, all right. So me and him, we uh, we knocked out. I told him pretty much broke down how the story was going to be. And um, me and him went back and forth on different angles of the story and uh, filed and ironed out the script. But I wrote the characters in the script because I knew my friends like they had zero acting experience, like, you know, nothing. So except for the stuff that I'd filmed myself. So I, I wrote the characters dialogue, not not necessarily not the personalities, but like how their characters would like convey things and different like mannerisms or different words that they would use a lot. Because when you're hanging around with somebody enough, you know, you pick up on different things that they say all the time or different words that, you know, they use frequently. So I uh, put that into their characters and try to help the flow of it. So yeah, and then we also did after I got the script ironed out, we did like a round table read with everybody and we changed different if there was something that they felt like, eh, I don't feel natural saying this, okay, well what would you know, and we kinda of went through that because with a found footage film, you're taking away the uh you know, the cinematic look of a film. Mm-hmm. And it's going towards realism. So you, whenever you do something like that, you got to make sure that it's not like, oh, John, don't go in that shed over there. You know, you have to make it sound natural and real and raw. So that was one thing that you know I was aiming for from the beginning was to try to make this as real, seem as real as possible, and have people forget that you know these guys are, you know, we're just we're just a bunch of friends just making a movie together. And uh, so. Uh, Then we got our locations. Uh, That house was actually in the town where I'm from, Sumner, Illinois, and we were gracious enough to be able to get that for free, which was awesome. And uh, so but yeah, the days when we were shooting, it was just, you know, a group of friends just hanging out, having a good time, uh, you know, kind of. Sometimes I, we would ad-lib a little bit here and there, but for the most part, we really stuck to the uh, to the main body of the script. But, it, I mean, it was fun to see some of the different things everyone would inject into their different characters at times. It, was, it really gave it that realistic feel. Sure, sure.
2: I was going to say, uh, with Gavin, he was probably my
0: favorite character in the film. <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> I, I, it's interesting that he's a friend of yours. I was going to ask about this. Is that true to his personality? Is he like that?
0: No, actually, because okay. uh, he
2: plays fun. it well. <laughs>
0: yes, yes. Uh, it, it's really funny because I actually went to I was I stood up with Gavin for his wedding. Uh, what was it? I guess it was uh, last weekend? Yeah. Or two. We, I can't remember last weekend, two weekends ago, everything 2020 runs together. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, so it, it's really funny because I get asked that a lot about if Tyler and Gavin are really like that in real life. And <laughs> it, it's, it's one of those double edged swords because, you know, you're making a pound footage film and you want it to be as real as possible possible but at the same time you know you get people that say man i just want to punch my tv screen he made me so mad i can't wait he treats you guys like that it's like it's not him at all i mean he's a super great guy and you know we I mean we had a blast doing it and if he i mean if tyler and gavin's egos were actually that big there's no way we could have been able to make unlisted owner period i mean there had been no movie It'd just been the <laughs> tyler and gavin show if that's really how they were yeah, he had the good
2: dude bro persona down well.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, him and Tyler both. I mean, they, they played well off each other, and it was hilarious. Yep. And, and something else really funny is that Griffin is actually Gavin's brother in real life. So a lot of people don't even know that. So.
1: <laughs> well, I, I think one thing, especially living in this pretty much the same area where you film yep. that, is uh, something – it kind of had a comforting feeling, and it kind of looked like our area we live in. Uh, especially, I don't know when you shot it, but it looked like fall and it felt like this type of year, and
0: yeah, uh, so yeah, we actually was, we we filmed. Uh, let's see, we started filming this thing in 2011, and yeah, it's been crazy. It's almost been 10 years since we started this thing. So in 2011, we filmed, and it was like September through November of that whole year, every weekend, and uh, <clears throat> so we got it knocked out. And then whenever we put it into the editor, we were like, oh, crap, this thing's only like 50 minutes long because, you know, my first film didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't know the whole minute per page thing. And I'm like, man, I got this road trip scene that we left out. Let's I guess we'll film it. So we filmed it and we stuck that in there. And then um, where they go to the graveyard and stuff. So we did a focus group showing in Vincent's, Indiana, at the Fort Knightley Club, and we showed it to one hundred and ten people each night. And we passed out surveys and had people tell us what they thought. And the number one thing that they asked besides what Tyler and Gavin's girls look (laughs) look like was uh, um, what they wanted to know more about the beginning family, which brings in Mark Ellis into the picture. So uh, I wrote a, the beginning sequence of the original family of five that, that moved in and actually put out my first casting call and uh, uh, Mark hit a home run with being the dad. So, and it just kind of worked out from there. Right. Right.
1: Um, how, how does that process work? I know you had the scene where you have the, uh, the EMTs or,
2: are yeah. The medical
1: personnel. How how do you pull that together when you're working kind of on a shoestring? Do you
2: just, just call in a 911 call and
0: just,
2: <laughs> since hey, you guys are here, for real, get here now? <laughs> um,
0: I'm actually a volunteer firefighter. But, uh, that, that oh. kind of, so that kind of so helped. But yeah. also, I mean, it doesn't hurt to ask, especially in a small community like this. And uh, if people know that you're really serious about it, I mean, they're more than welcome to, you know, pitch in. Like the body bag came from the corner and, uh, you know, the ambulance guys, I went over and asked them, like, hey, you know, would you mind coming over for a day? And, you know, our guys, you know, helped them train with lifting a gurney. And, uh, it was just, you know, it, and, you know, asked the chief of police. So, I mean, it was, It was, I mean, it was cool because they were all real first responders. I mean, those people in the film are guys who've actually done this before. And uh, it it was really funny because, you know, with with the found footage film, you know, I'm sitting there. There's no, you know, there's no guy with a boom mic. There's no, you know, clapper. There's just, you know, me with a video camera in my hand. That's it. And i mean people are driving by this this house is right on Christie, right on main the main drag in sumner illinois and there's people pulled over they can't believe it there's police and ambulances there they got the place (laughs) up. and um had a really funny story with that day because there was an older gentleman that lived like a block away and he had seen all the commotion he walked across the street and he asked griffin he goes well what's going on and griffin's like Family five got murdered here last night, man. <laughs> I was like, "Did you tell him any different?" He goes, "No." He goes, "Oh, and just walked off." I'm like, <laughs> "Hopefully he knows that there wasn't anyone. This house has been abandoned for I don't know how many years. Hopefully he doesn't realize, doesn't think that someone just moved in like today and got murdered." But
1: <laughs> he he hasn't left the house since 2011. I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> <he's> terrified,
0: <laughs> terrified.
2: So was that house so, uh, still like? Was it up for sale, or was it just? empty
0: or it was weird it was for sale i think but it wasn't like advertised there's actually uh there's been two families that have lived in there since uh we we filmed the or shot unlisted owner so
2: you should just start dropping off dvds of it like as a new family <laughs> as a new family moves in just leave it
0: it's funny that the guy who lives in lives there now I know and uh, he messaged me he's like hey I just bought the place you know what can I you know can I get a movie so I came down and there was a spindle uh, that had been broken before they had moved in off the staircase one of the spindles and I'm like I'll tell you what. I'll trade you a movie for a spindle. So so we made a little trade like that. So I got a spindle from the house. That statue, someone stole it. And I feel like, gosh, that was like one of the coolest like things of that house that like had so much character was that statue at the bottom of the staircase. And someone stole it. And it's just really, really sad. It's like, man, if I knew they were going to steal it, jeez. You would have
2: stole it yourself, right? There you <laughs>
0: go. I would have I asked, I guess. I would have asked. <laughs> Put a tracker on that thing.
1: Have you... uh? have thoughts on revisiting that that uh story
0: well yes and no i have like a, a concept for a sequel but you know with someone living in the house it kind of poses a new challenge and um but there is, like, guess it's not 100 percent, but there is the possibility of a, a director's cut. I have a, a distribution company that's interested in like uh, us adding a few extended sequences to the film and uh, give it a new release. Because right now it's not available on digital uh, We're since we're in between distributors. But with the whole 2020 thing, it's kind of put everything on hold for a little bit. But uh, we're going to hopefully get something going with that. Hopefully I can officially announce it, but yeah, we're, we're looking into doing a director's cut with some like added scenes and stuff to it. So it should be kind of cool.
1: Oh, that would be cool. Um, well, I, I, I want to commend you on, you know, you know, a lot of people can, uh, criticize and, and, and talk about what they want to talk about, but you know, you got out there and you actually got the project you wanted to do done. And, uh, I think that's awesome. Uh, well, I
0: appreciate that.
1: Yeah. Uh, one one last thing about it, I know you go to a lot of conventions and things like that. What what's do you have like a favorite story from a convention experience? I got a I got a
0: couple. Uh, I had a there's this guy uh, who really really likes my movie. I mean a lot, and it, it's not somebody that I knew before the movie came out or anything. Uh, he was actually there's a found footage uh, group. And uh, one of my friends from Vermont that has a podcast, Everything Horror, tagged me and said, hey, this guy or, you know, Jed Bryan. So I started looking. This guy listed his top favorite found footage films. And the number one one was Unlisted Owner. So they tagged me in the comment and um, I told the guy, thanks for liking the film and everything. And uh, we kind of messaged back and forth and he's telling me his favorite scenes and stuff. And uh, there was a convention in Indianapolis and he drove all the like he drove like. Like three hours to the convention just to meet me. And uh, so he ended up picking up like a DVD and stuff. And the guy who was with me uh, actually ran sound on the last project I did, Guilty Wilson, asked him, he goes, So, how many times have you seen uh, Unlisted Owner Jed's film? And he goes, Oh, at least 40 times. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> Wow. Like, you know, it just made me feel so good that someone actually, you know, loves the movie that much that you make. Because You know, you see all the, you know, the Amazon, you know, reviews of people saying, oh, this is garbage or, oh, you know, this worst movie ever. And I'm like, well, you know, I mean, I think I did. I went through all your other comments. I've seen you've said it multiple times. So who really is the worst movie ever in your opinion? <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh but there was that one. And then actually the same convention. um I had uh, a girl come up and she had a lanyard. She was working the show and it was signed by the original creature from the black lagoon. It was signed by David Naughton from American werewolf in London. It was signed by the, let's see, uh, CJ Graham and Warrington Gillette who played Jason Voorhees and Tony Miranda played Michael Myers. And, uh, she, uh, she had me sign that lanyard. And I'm like, wow, this is, you know, that, that's pretty, that was a kind of a cool moment. But probably the one that takes the cake was we were at Days of the Dead in Louisville, Kentucky, and we were set up right across from Heather Donahue from Blair Witch Project, and Griffin was actually with me for this convention. And uh, I go over to, uh, I did a panel, and I come back, and there's Griffin sitting next to Heather Donahue, and you know, without Blair Witch, there would be no unlisted owner, you know, right. and she's sitting there talking to Griffin, interviewing him like he's in was in the Blair Witch project, and next thing I know she's dragging me in there, talking about unlisted owner promoting it and stuff, and it was just such a surreal moment, like having her talk about a movie that I made. And we even do like a little throwback to her with Chloe in the closet with the camera, you know, and it was just so cool. And like I sat there with her at the I mean, she was great. We talked back and forth the whole convention and we even we ate pizza with her. And (laughs) but I mean, like her watching Unlisted Owner, my the trailer that I pieced together on like on my phone, sitting there at her table, watching it with her and just seeing like her watch. It was just such like a surreal moment. So if anyone yeah. wants to if anyone wants to check out that Facebook live video, Days of the Dead, Facebook is the one who did it. But if you go to the unlisted owner Facebook page, it's pinned at the top. So awesome. But, I'll check. But that yeah, out for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You'll have to check. It's it's a pretty it's a pretty wild interview. And Bill Mosley stopped by our booth and was wearing an unlisted owner shirt around. That was pretty crazy, too. But. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So a lot can't, of cool can't convention beat, stories.
1: Can't beat that promotion.
0: No. um
1: So. I guess we'll we'll kind of transition to found footage. And I think found footage is, is strange in the fact that you know a lot of people consider it a subgenre of horror, but it's almost a genre in, in itself because it you can have a found footage drama movie or anything like that. Yeah. Um what do you think makes a really strong found footage movie?
0: I think number 1 uh believable acting because if you do not have believable acting then it's just, you know, It doesn't work because with a found footage film, that's the whole point of it to make it seem real and raw and like a reality show. So that's number one. And number two, uh, like you have to have a story that makes sense of why the person is filming And why, you know, because if you just have, you know, someone just randomly filming stuff like for me, for unlisted owner, you know, it was I just got a new camera. So I'm filming stuff. I'm testing out my new camera and uh, the new family moving in. You know, people film themselves moving into new homes all the time. So that was kind of like the reasoning behind those types of reasons why they were filming. So you have to have a reason why and make it believable. So those are the two reasons, like, to me anyways. And plus, you know, you have to have a good story that kind of goes along with why this would be film found footage. Yeah. So so those are, like, the main, main things for me.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point that, you know, often comes up is is why do these people have these cameras going so much, you know? mm mm-hmm. uh, and with your movie, you know, you guys were doing a camping trip, you know, there was a murder. Of course, someone would have a camera on for stuff like that. And Um, so, you know, Blair Witch, obviously you can kind of tell it was a heavy influence in, in your film. Mm-hmm. Um, w- what are some of your favorite found footage movies that you've seen over the years?
0: Well, you know, the obvious Blair Witch Project, uh, grave encounters is a great found footage film. Um, Cannibal Holocaust, it's great film, uh, you know, paranormal Activity. And then uh there's a newer film that just was released this year and actually films with the uh, the director, but it's called Followed. I don't know if you guys have seen it or not. It was actually mm-hmm. number one at the box office. Great film. And, and the guy, he's a super great guy uh who directed it. But it basically it uh, takes place there's a YouTuber that is, uh, going to this, uh, gonna, like he's trying to get more view, you know, more subscribers on his channel. And he decides to go to this hotel where, uh, this girl, uh, went missing on an elevator and she got on the elevator and then they end up finding her body later. And there's supposedly this, uh, this Japanese elevator game that you play. And, uh, so he basically records the whole, like, Like going to the hotel and the whole events that take place there. It's a great found footage film. Highly recommend if anyone hasn't seen it.
1: Cool. Jonathan, do you uh, do you have anything you want (laughs) to interject? I don't know if you guys have seen uh, Hell House LLC.
0: Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: That's a great little
2: series of found footage Mm -hmm. movies. I don't don't ever hear anybody bring those up either. Yeah. Actually, pretty spooky.
1: Yeah. Are there some uh, trends that? that come up in found footage movies that uh, you think are overdone or, or a mistake to be done in in shooting these movies or just in the final production.
0: Are you talking to me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> oh, it's all good. Um, I feel like, you know, sometimes conflict is overdone in found footage films. Like, you know, the fact, cause I mean, you know, you're limited to what you can do, like, with your camera angles. You can't show, like, what's happening here and then what's happening at the police department or what's happening with this person who goes off, you know, without getting, you know, all these different, and you're like, well, who's filming what, you know what I mean? And that's that's part of the problem is that sometimes, you know, if you have multiple cameras, it can get lost in translation. So, I mean, I feel like sometimes, you know, the, the conflict can be a little bit, you know, overdone. But, uh, but I'd say that's probably one of the, uh, the, the biggest tropes to me.
1: Yeah, I think, and you kind of mentioned this a little bit, but uh, uh, about characters being believable um, or real, grounded in realism. Um, I think also another issue is when characters aren't fleshed out enough or, you know, not enough uh, care is given to make you want to see these characters you know, make it through to the end. Like I know Jonathan and I disagree on this, this movie and, and it may be a movie you like too, but uh, the houses that October built, I never wanted to see a group of people die more in my life at the end of that thing.
0: Well, I'm honored to hear unlisted owner didn't get that. No, because uh, a lot, a lot, (laughs) a lot of people say that about unlisted owner. They're like, I was rooting for the killer. So
1: (laughs) I, I, at the end of that, I was rooting for Griffin to get out at the, in the last little bit there, so. All
0: right, uh, awesome. So no, I
1: did not have that uh, reaction to your film. Ooh, so <laughs> one, one for Griffin. <laughs> there you <they> go. <laughs> um, so I guess uh, we'll kind of wrap up with, um, you know, any? Are there any? Um, I guess subjects that you think would make a good found footage movie that maybe hasn't been tackled yet.
0: Oh man. I I know that, like, and that's one thing I I talk about, like, on different podcasts and interviews I've done, is, like, found footage genre. You know, usually you can put it into, like, three categories. It's paranormal, alien, or Bigfoot. (laughs) Like, those are the three. (laughs) So, like, for me, you know, I did a found footage slasher. So, I mean, I guess I would like to see, like, more, like, found footage, like, slasher-type films or found footage, like, you know... Uh, there's a there's a found footage film called Watch Me Die, and it is like, I feel like it's like a snuff. It's like a snuff film. It's just really it's really random, like, like how it's done. But I feel like, you know, that movie didn't have like enough story to be able to carry it through. But I feel like, you know, something like, you know, with a kidnapping or, you know, something like that would be kind of kind of interesting to to see a little bit. But uh, but yeah, like I said, you know, I mean, do you think about it? I mean, most found footage films are either paranormal, alien or yeah. Bigfoot. I mean, for yeah. real. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, yeah, it um, seems
2: like the – I was going to interject. It seems like no. what you're talking yeah. about with the slasher-found footage films, they can cross that line, kind of like an August Underground to where – I've said it many times. When I first watched August Underground, I didn't know if I was supposed to see that or not or if that was some sort of police footage. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so it can get a little bit too into the realism.
0: But. Yeah, it's pretty wild because, like, someone sent me a screenshot and they're like, dude, if you type in Lawford County, which, you know, it's the name of my production company and it's the fictional county that the unlisted where unlisted owner takes place. If you type in Lawford County, it's, it's people have been searching Lawford County murders. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> like, that like blows and like unlisted owner, true story. Like that was one of the top Google searches at one point in time. And I was just like, man, this like blows my mind. Like, you know, that. You know, if you make it really it really makes you feel like, wow, you did something good because people are like, is this real? Like, is this based on something like did this happen in Lawford County? Where's Lawford County, Illinois at? I'm sure I've heard of it.
2: (laughs) That's uh, but that's the beauty of found footage. And that's what I've always said I love about it is, you know, to go into a movie, you have to suspend your disbelief to a Mm -hmm. certain to a certain point. Found footage just kind of sets me up already to go ahead and further suspend my disbelief. And it's Mm -hmm. why it's probably the only genre of horror that can really kind of still scare me, you know, really spook, Mm -hmm. maybe turn the lights on when I'm watching it or something, you know, Mm -hmm. just,
1: I I think it's the only genre too, that I can appreciate jump scares in to me. I think they work best in that style. So, um, because you're always dreading something around every corner that, you know, the person's taking their camera. So, um, so yeah, I, I also think it's like people start to write found footage off and then some great found footage movie comes out and it kind of revives that, that car. I don't so. get that.
2: I don't get the hate for it. I just don't get it.
0: Yeah. It, well, it's crazy. Like people, you know, people hate, like there's a lot of haters out there found footage, but there's even a streaming service. I don't know if you guys have heard of this called POV horror and it's a, unless owner is actually on the uh, that's the only place right now that you can find unless Donor on streaming but it's a subscription service but they have all these found footage films i mean it's it's a great service i highly recommend any found footage fan out there to to give it a, to check it out i think it's available on Roku and Apple TV, I think you can. I can't remember what else it's available on, but yeah, it's a it's a pretty cool. I've done a couple. Pro, I did a promo video for them. So, cool. <laughs> uh, and there's also even a website called foundfootagecritic.com dot com, and like they try to archive all found footage films ever that have ever been made, and they allow people who are on the site to rate it and stuff like that. So, awesome.
1: I haven't uh, okay. not familiar with either though, so check those out. I think you're muted. <laughs> if I, yeah,
2: if I unmute here real quick. Before we go, I wanted to know if you could talk any about uh, your your project you're working on right now, 13 Slaves Till Christmas or Xmas. I'm not 100% sure how you're supposed to say it.
0: Uh, I honestly am not 100%. I'm going to say Xmas because when people Google it, that'll, <laughs> that'll be the way it should come up. But, uh but no uh, PJ Starks uh, who uh, does, is known for the volumes of blood franchise horror anthology uh, reached out to me. I think it was last year and uh, had this, uh, I guess he's had this concept for a little while, but it's uh, basically a, a Christmas horror anthology film. And, uh, he asked me to write and direct a a sequence. So uh, my sequence is about a killer Christmas clown named uh, Kringles. So um, that's about all I can say about it. I think my short, I think it's around about five minutes is what it is, but I think there's supposed to be 13 different stories the way I understand it anyways, because like I said, I only filmed, I filmed one sequence and I also went down and have a little cameo and um, um, one that PJ wrote that I went down to Owensboro for. So, but hopefully it'll be out this uh, Christmas. Uh, I'm actually right now I'm working on a little bit of the uh, behind the scenes of my segment. I'm going to try to get to him uh, this week. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. there's a lot of great filmmakers involved in this. Uh, some of the best indie filmmakers in the world are, uh, you know, involved with this project. So I'm I'm very honored to be a part of it. And I'm excited to see what else everyone else can create. That's awesome.
2: That actually kind of leads me into the next thing. I've actually been talking with p j
0: uh, yeah. throughout
2: throughout the interview here uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and uh Corey, if we don't have anything planned p j said he would love to do the show on the first
1: awesome,
2: so we will follow up some more on thirteen Slays, and hopefully we can get you back in here, Jed yeah, after for its sure. release, and yeah. uh, we can talk a little bit about that so.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm excited for everybody to hear about Kringle's. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't. There's not. I've always wanted to do like a clown movie, and uh, this kind of like PJ's like, hey, if you want to do, and I'm like, well, let me look up killer Christmas clowns, and I couldn't find any. So I'm like, well, this could be the first killer Christmas clown. Unless some, if someone else knows of another one, send me a message, and I will gladly, you know take back my comment, but as far as I know, I don't know any killer, you know, Christmas clowns that, uh, you know, that go out on Christmas Eve.
1: Yeah. Okay. So to wrap up, um, you're kind of our last guest before Halloween. So I wanna, wanted to give you the opportunity if you wanted to um, give us some of your favorite movies to watch during the Halloween season.
0: Well, I am actually like a huge classic horror guy. I mean, I love like horror, like, you know, silent film. So, like, um, I've been watching, uh, let's see, Phantom of the Opera is my all-time favorite Lon Chaney film. Um, there's actually three different versions of the film you can see, which is weird for a found footage film. Usually, they, they're lost, you know, like London After Midnight. But uh, there's the, uh, the 1929 version, there's a 1925 version, and they actually are different. They, like... Basically, like one was the original, and then for some reason uh, they edited together other footage that they didn't use in the first one. So there's two different versions of that, plus there's a three three D version, <laughs> and I have oh. all three. But uh, so that's one. Um, another hidden gem is uh, it's called Straight Jacket. It has Joan Crawford in it. Freaking awesome film. William Castle. You guys know who William Castle is? Yeah. Did, you know, all those. Yeah. Such an awesome mm-hmm. film. Highly recommend that one. Um And then, let's see, what else is another one? Of course, you know, your Halloween and then, you know, Universal Monsters. I mean, you know, it's just there, there's so many great films out there to to check out. I'm actually get, introducing my son slowly into the Universal Monsters, and he's obsessed with mummies right now, which I can't show him the original mummy because – in the original Mummy, you see Karloff as the mummy for, like, 10 seconds, and then, <laughs> and then he's not in it for the rest of the time, so I have to use, like, do the Lon Chaney version, but, uh, but yeah, and then, you know, there's, there's plenty of other, you know, there's great indie horror films out there, like, you know, Volumes of Blood, Unlisted Owner. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, you know uh pool party massacre uh the barn i mean there's a lot of great indie horror films out there so uh so and then also you know if you're a found footage fan, highly recommend followed I, I know you guys will really really love it
1: cool well Check we appreciate those suggestions and yeah uh
0: Jed man it, it's been great to have you on the show uh, yeah. we appreciate yeah, i appreciate it, it so much on, man. Yeah, yeah i uh, I I really enjoyed it. Thanks again. Like I said, uh, sorry for the last minute, you know, kind of time change, but uh, I'm glad I was able to to come on. But, yeah, anytime you guys want me back, I'd be more than happy to come on. Sounds awesome. Well, thanks again so much. Yep. All right. Well, thank you, Jed. Thanks
1: for being on the show. And, um, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the show. And, again, check out In Search of Darkness Part 2 with the link in the show notes as well. Jonathan, where can the people find you?
2: I can be found at a little channel called Bombastic Reviews on YouTube. Uh, Bombastic Reviews on Instagram. <coughs> Woo! Got coughed a lung up there. <laughs> and of course
1: Podcast. dot com. Yeah, that COVID's a killer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm at S'moresendor seventy six on Instagram and S'moresendors podcast on YouTube and Facebook. And, of course, com. So uh, check out this show. Check out all the past episodes if you guys haven't checked those out. Uh, I think we're on, like, the 12th episode now. So, um,
2: Rocking and rolling, struggling. 12th or 13th. I,
1: I can't even keep track now. We've, we've done so much. And uh, we want to thank everybody that's been uh, checking out the shows and enjoying them, and hope you stick with us from here on out. So, guys, until the next time we are with you, uh, which will be next Sunday, October 25th, 8 p.m. Make sure you check us out on YouTube, S'mores and Doors Podcast for our big super show. Um, until then, take it easy.
2: Later. Latro.